On today's episode, I sit down with Gabriel from SoCal Fluffy Frenchies. Gabriel has been breeding for 10 years and brings a lot of great advice and experience to breeders across the globe. Stay tuned on this episode for great advice from SoCal Fluffy Frenchies. Disclaimer, due to connection issues, there were some parts in the podcast that cut off for a few seconds. Everything Bulldogs Podcast apologizes for the inconvenience. Enjoy the show. Inspiring interviews with today's top Bulldog breeders. This is the Everything Bulldogs Podcast. And now your host, Cesar Paulos. Hey, what's up, Gabriel? How's it going? Hey, pretty good. And you? Good, good, man. Just first and foremost, thank you, man, for uh, for taking the time uh, to come onto the show. I know you're on your way to the dog show in Modesto. Yeah, no problem, man. I'm glad I could uh, be on here with you and be of some help if I could, hopefully. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you. So, uh, believe it or not, man, there you're, you're the very first. Um, well. You're the very first breeder that that just focuses on Frenchies that's on the show, man. So just congratulations on that, and and hopefully give the listeners some uh, some information when you know when breeding Frenchies and, and you know and how you do things. Yeah, sure, man. I'll be uh, as forthcoming as I can, man. Honestly, for sure, big dog. All right, man. All right, Gabriel. So real quick, man. Just um, you know, just introduce yourself, man. What's your name? What can, what's your kennel's name? What do you breed, and what got you into breeding? So my name is Gabriel. Um, my kennel name, my original kennel name is Cali House Frenchies. Uh, now I'm doing business as SoCal Fluffy Frenchies. Um, Cali House Frenchies was what I started with years back. Um, but now most people know me more as, well, as, as far as a breeding, breeder world. Uh, they know me as SoCal Fluffy Frenchies. Um, it's a long story, man. Uh, I got into Frenchies about, mm, it's going to be 10 years. I think I'm on, like, it'll be 10 years by the end of this year. Oh, nice. Congratulations. Uh, like nine, yeah, like nine and a half years with Frenchies. But before that, I had other breeds. Before I, I stumbled into the Frenchie breed. Uh, basically, it's a funny story, but it wasn't even my idea. It was my wife's idea. And, um, you know, we from the first Frenchie we got, it was just love at first sight. And here we are now. Damn, man. Heck yeah. Hey, well, congratulations. Uh, 10 years is a long time in, in, in the Frenchie world and, um, and you know, being successful for so long like that, that must be hard work, man. So you like, like you previously, you, you previously mentioned, you know, you've been in the Frenchie game for 10 years, you know, um, has a lot changed in the Bulldog, in the Frenchie game since, you know, since, since you first started till now? Um, it depends on which, in which area you want. Uh, definitely a lot has changed pricing type of dogs the colors that have been added uh just the the type of people that are in frenchies now a ton has changed um when i got in um in the frenchie world it it wasn't that big of a breed um i actually came from english bulldogs before that i bred english bulldogs for about eight years and I didn't have good success. Uh, the English Bulldog breed was really tough on me. Um, back then, if we're talking 15 years back, 20 years back, we didn't have P-tests. We had different type of tests that you could run to do a progesterone or not progesterone, but to see when the female is ovulating and stuff like that. 
Right. Uh, C-sections weren't like really as popular as they are now. Just a ton has changed. Um, so I jumped from the English into the Frenchy world and going back, tying into my previous story, my wife came home one day and she's like, dude, you know what? Um, we're not having success with the Bulldogs, but the Frenchie, uh, I saw one. It, it looks nice, babe. Let's get one. And I said, a Frenchie? <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I really haven't, hadn't looked or really did any homework on it. And I was thinking like a Yorkie or a Poodle, something like that. Right. I'm six, I'm six one, you know, and I'm like, how, is, how am I going to look? walking a Yorkie down the, you know, down the street, you know, something like that. And she showed me, she's like, no, look, they, they have a smash face. Like it's a, also a bulldog. Like it's a good, it's a nice breed. It, you, it goes both ways. And when I saw it, I'm like, oh shit. Okay. Nice. It's like a, it's like a mini bulldog. Yeah. Hell yeah. So, um, when I got in, uh, there was more of a family oriented, uh, vibe to it. Uh, as time passed by, other breeds like bullies and English as well. Like I said, I came from the English, started jumping on the Frenchie uh, breed. And then now, now you have what we have now. It's just such a diverse breed where you have multiple classes in one breed. I mean, they're there's color specific. Fluffies, there's pinks, there's big And we'll get into that a little bit further, but just just in general it's changed so much the the platform is way way bigger than it was before um and that's why i i have two two brands because cali house when i started my main customer was a family pet home so i didn't really breed to breeders we bred we i, I mean sorry i didn't really sell to breeders i sold mainly to you know, my market's like higher-end clients, you know, from L.A., right. from West L.A., uh, Hollywood, Beverly Hills, that area. We're really close by. We used to live in, like, East L.A. area, uh, East, Southeast L.A. So it, it was easy for me to market to that, to that type of uh, clientele there. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. So, you know, you've been in the, in, in the Frenchie game so long. You know, where did the boom begin? Like, what took place that made the Frenchie game so big, like, as big as it is today? That's a good question. I think that it's always been a popular breed, but I think where where it kind of boomed was right around where where I, I felt the English bulldog breed kind of got saturated a little bit. And with all the health issues, but... English bulldogs, a little bit more care. They're bigger dogs. So a lot of us, the bulldog breeders, were looking for something similar to jump in. And that's where the all these other breeders that have had success in other breeds, bulldog. Um, and then you started seeing a lot of, like, celebrities, a lot of athletes buy these French bulldogs. I'm talking about, um, I'm going to name a few names back in the day, you know, uh, Micro Machine. I remember he came out like uh, with, I think it was, was it Future? I think it was Future, like on a TV show or something. And like he was the it thing for a long time. I mean, he was one of the biggest and most well-known Frenchies out there 
when I started, I looked up to a dog like that when I started. So that's the school I come from. Uh, back when Micro Machine came out, I was already like three years deep into the Frenchie game, maybe four. So Micro Machine for a, a lot of the French game, and I'm giving them big props here because he was just a blueprint, small, really small, nice. Um, and there's, been, there's been other really Frenchies out there, but in color, color started coming the French Bulldogs, the lilacs, the chocolates, the uh, the blues. That's what really made it like, oh, look at these small, compact bulldog looking dogs um, that don't have so much health issues. All the breeders wanted them. Everybody wanted them as pets as well. And it just it just boomed. Okay. So now now that we're on the uh, you know, now that you mentioned the exotics and and you know the different colors and whatnot, like um what new trends are you starting to see like in the in, in the Frenchie game and, and do you think the Frenchie game is gonna continue being a hot topic like in the years to come? Yeah, you know what? I every time a new color comes, I think to myself, you know, uh, let's just go back when I, I had a my first dog was a, a a black brindle female. I'm sorry, a blue a blue brindle female, and I thought that was that was the most exotic dog back then. You know, it was blues were already coming in, and then when they introduced chocolates and lilacs, I was like, holy moly! And then the tries came out, and I was like, oh man! And then the lilac and tans and the platinums came. What I'm trying to get at is every time something new comes out uh as breeders you may think oh man that's they're just trying something new but every single time something gets added bigger and bigger and 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 it it, it it's i think it's cemented i think the french bulldog uh community and world is has a long ways to go i think there's definitely a ton of market left but you see right now honestly and i think i speak for a lot of people with the market being a little slow, um, it's not just the breeding, it's just the whole economy issue altogether. You know, everything's a little slower, but um, in whole, it's going to be hard to beat the French Bulldog because it could cater to your male uh, customer and it could also cater and family environment. So it's like an all around dog where you can have a nice little dog that is cute inside the dog inside the house, but then has a nice smash thick muzzle with the bulldog mean look, you know? So right. I don't think I don't think a Frenchie game is going anywhere. I think we have a lot of work to do. Um we have big road that I think and feel is gonna be interesting to see. I can't I don't have a, a crystal ball. I, I'm not gonna uh, crown the big rope the next big thing because we still have yet you know we get, we get to see what happens but definitely big rope is very interesting i like it i'm betting on it uh, we also have pinks and um as you know right now the the, the hottest thing right now still are fluffies and isabella fluffies right are probably at the top of the totem pole right now if you ask me so, so in short Dude, uh, Frenchie has a lot, a lot, a lot of room for growth still. So where, where, I mean, j just you specifically, man, if, if you could create like a Frenchie or a new trend, what, what way would you go with it? Oh, wow. That's a good one, man. I'm not, a, I'm not great at 
creating new trends or anything like that. I'm more of a I'm more of a visionary, to be honest. If I if I'm being honest, I have a certain vision and a certain like in a, in a style of Frenchie. Okay. And that's what makes this that's what makes this breed beautiful because you're gonna see. I mean, I was at the last show I was at. It was the only Frenchie show in Ontario. There was like I'm not lying, like 20 different classes. Damn. In French bulldog, it was insane, and it was only Frenchies. There was no other breed there, and there was you had the best try. You had a best cocoa, which Odin won best best cocoa in, in the show. I mean, fluffy, the best bully micro. Every, there were so many classes, and that's what makes it beautiful because the Frenchie you could grab the Frenchie without really compromising a lot of its 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 general look and create your own style of dog, you know? Um, right now, the main ones I would say are, are the structured bully look, like more of the, you know, wide stance. You have like really good programs that are like Grinchy and Dr. Zeus, XB Blood. I can name a few others out there that, you know, they're in their own lane. They're a separate class. And they focus on that, that type of dog. And then you have, I would, I would classify myself as, as this, in this category as well, breeders of Frenchies that are trying to implement new colors and new coats and bring new exotic colors into the game while keeping the structure. Right. So, um, so in, in whole, sorry I, if I go a little bit left field with the with the, the questions and the topics, but I think definitely um, uh, as far as me making a new trend, I, I don't think I'm a trendsetter. I think I'm more of a visionary. I, I would like to make an Odin, Isabel, Tan, Fluffy with that type of structure specifically. And when I say like Odin is classify it more of a uh, standard AKC Frenchie show uh, AKC uh, standard, you know okay. what I mean, as far as structure. Because everybody could say structure, but what structure for me, it may not be the structure. Short and really, really freaky and exotic. That's structure for them. Structure for me is more like looking at the AKC standard with shorter ears, with more of a square uh, general look into the into the structure of the dog. Sorry so, for sure. Yeah, that's pretty much what I would do with, with that's what we're trying to, that's our goal, that's where we're going. Hell yeah, man. No, and, and don't be sorry about that, man. The more detail, the better. Like, I, you know, the listeners love that type of stuff. So, now that we're on the topic of, 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 you know, King Odin, I see some pictures, man, and he's badass. So what makes him so special? Like, what is so, so obviously off the bat, um, it's not about what he carries. It's about what he looks like. I think mm, if you ask anybody, I mean, he's not the only chocolate. and He's a chocolate and tan that carries fluffy. Well, he carries cream as well, but he's maskless. The maskless look, I think, gives him a very unique look where he looks like, like almost like a toy, right? Like he has those nice tan brows on his cheeks, on his arms. And it's almost, he looks almost like 
like if we paint them, it's perfect, you know, on a good right. day in the sun, it looks like perfect. So yeah, he's a chocolate and tan. He's not the only one in the world. It's not special genetics. It's more like special structure, I think, paired with the genetics that makes him special. Um, Odin, I did not produce. Uh, Odin I got from a lady named Lorena. So props, shout out to, to her. Definitely not getting credit for, for breeding him because I did I bought him. But when we love at first sight, um, it was love at first sight and the fluffy game hadn't took off yet. There was people doing fluffy. I immediately went, I, I wanted to get into it, but I wanted to start off the right way. I wanted to start off with structure. When I saw Odin just walk by me, I was like, who's that? You know, I went to go buy another dog, but I saw Odin and she's like, oh, that's so-and-so. I go, I want that dog. And I think that's the same effect people ha get when they see him. It's not so much the DNA, it's his structure and his face. Um, he's just, he's impactful when you see him. Um, so, but to get down uh, to your question, he's a chocolate and tan. Genetically, he's ATA, uh, one copy of blue, two copies of cocoa, maskless, which that means a big E, little E. Uh, he does not carry pied, he does not carry brindle. And he carries one copy of L4, which is a fluffy gene. So yeah. when he came out, he was, you know, I hate to say it, but it was probably one of the best fluffy carriers in the West Coast, Got if it. not the best. Yeah. Dude, that's insane. So would you say that King Odin is like the face of your program right now? Or is there other studs or any other females you got? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, me, I've, I've added heavy hitters with good DNA. I still have a hustle. I carry fluffy. He's a blue and tan. Merle that carries fluffy and cream. He did. I have them closed usually. Pretty exclusive. And every time I open them up, it, within hours, the, the spots I open up, they sell out quick. Dude, hell yeah, man! It, it's always good to have something like that in your program, man. That's that, that's what keeps your program going, and dude, that that's badass, yeah. man. You, you you hit it off right there. So now that we're on this right here, like, what makes your kennel unique and different from all the other kennels, like in your area or just the West Coast? That's a good question. Um, in whole, I think kennels not just your dogs. You know, I think it's you. I think the person driving the kennel has a a. a a big a big part in it you know it, it depends i you know i've i've come across so many breeders um obviously not gonna say no names some not too nice um you know some super extremely shady some really cool and i think that drives i think that drives your kennel you know i think if you treat people right if you're honest uh and you try to do the very best by them i think that that speaks volumes of you you know and i've done I think the very best uh, in trying to help people out. Uh, sometimes people will hit me up, even if they don't buy me, nothing from me. And if I have the time, obviously, and I stay pretty busy, I always, I'm always willing to offer them a hand. I think my kennel, my kennel people respect it because, because of me. They know that I focus on. And they know what they're gonna get from me. We we don't have a 
crystal ball. Sometimes, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say every single production is a banger. If there's any breeder that says that, uh, you know, I'd say it's cap. You know, you, you, you can't guarantee that. Um, every once in a while, you'll get, you'll get a dog throw a throwback and not so nice structure. But for the most part, most of my kennels consistent. You know, most of my dogs come from Odin. Most of the stuff that I'm promoting is off Odin lines and people, they, sometimes they just want to go with the safe bet. You know, why, why venture out into a kennel overseas or in China or somewhere else, save a couple thousand bucks and you're not really going to know what you're going to get. Right. Um, when you, when you invest in a program here and a kennel here, um, you're, you're betting on somebody with a track record and a certain type of, of, uh, record yeah you have a track record um i think that sets me apart from everybody else that's what people are looking for when when dealing with me right as far yeah. as stud service piece hell yeah so talking about puppies it's crazy that you mentioned this like what goes into your puppy pricing um so it's the basic general rule of thumb right um people only pay whatever they think is worth your product is you know so if the market back back like let's say a year and a half ago, I was selling fluffy carriers for a certain amount. Let's just say uh, twenty gummies, twenty twenty. I don't know if I can say prices on here, but let's say twenty thousand, right? For sure. You know, it was a new it was a new thing. Uh, the market was hot. Everybody was looking to get into the into the fluffy, either breed into it um, or just buy a puppy is already a carrier. Now with the influx of so much fluffy. Obviously, the prices drop, but I'm usually around a little bit more expensive than the general market just because my dogs, I don't openly have as a stud. So like Odin, I open them up for a few spots, close them, open them up for a few spots, and that's it. It's not like I'm breeding them to every single camp out there. Right. So I think that gives, I think that gives his puppies a little bit more value. A lot of people respect that and like that because... When you're going to sell your puppies, right, if you have a litter of Odin, but then 10 other breeders have a litter of Odin, then now you have more competition to deal with. Now you can be like, well, how much you have your fluffy carrier for or your fluffy? Oh, I got it. He's selling it for 25. Oh, well, so-and-so has one too, and he has a full litter. He's giving me, give it to me for 20. And now we start competing with each other, and now the market drops a little bit, you know? So I think that's what that what goes into my pricing is I a market a market approach to see what everything's going for. So if if a a, a puppy is eight thousand general market quality DNA structure temperament and bloodlines those are the general markers right obvious but aside from that. How exclusive is that dog? How easy is it for me to obtain a puppy from that line? Oh, the dogs that stud being studded out every day for a thousand, then to me that puppy's not worth a lot. Right. Because I could just why am I gonna buy a puppy from you if I could go get a stud credit for a thousand or two thousand? I'd rather get one of my females, pay two thousand bucks, I'll have pup. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't understand that. That that's a really big that's a really big deal. And uh, I got a lot of I got a lot of backlash from a lot of breeders 
they're like, dude, why do you have Odin clothes? Are you stupid? What, what are you doing? Like, or they thought, you know, Odin wasn't working or he got sick or whatever. You know, people are going to talk. I, I really didn't listen to the noise, but I knew, like I said, I had my vision. I had my vision. I stuck to it. And here I am. It's been, Odin's going to be four, you know, and um, he's still locking in at 7,000. So yeah. it just goes to show you, you know, it's it's not me. It's not hype. The proof is right there, you know? No, 100%, man. Hell yeah. So for new for new breeders or, or a person looking to get a Frenchie, like what should they be looking for, you know, so they don't get screwed over? You know, what questions should they be asking? You know, is there is there any any rule of thumb when choosing out a, you know, a Frenchie to, to either breed or just have? So the first thing I tell people is I try to explain the industry to them. And I tell them there's two industries, maybe three, right? Are, do you want puppies to pet homes? Do you want to sell puppies to breeders? Or do you want to sell stud services? In reality, it's like three big industries. Right. You know, there's, there's people that focus on pet homes. There's people that focus on just stud services and have like 10 studs in their camp. And then there's other people that focus on selling to breeders, high-end, high-priced, high-DNA puppies. Right. So when you want to, it's like anything. You want to start a business? Do you want a small restaurant? Or do you want a big restaurant? Or do you want this? Or you don't want a restaurant. Do you want this type? So you have to choose what you're going to get into. You can't just dive into a market, the Frenchie market, and expect to get stud services, sell to breeders, and sell to pet homes. It's really hard. You can't start off, I would say, with a stud. If you don't have a, a brand name, you could, but it's going to be very difficult. Right. You know, I'm not, that's not to say you don't have the best English or French, whatever it is, bulldog, and you hit it off. That could happen, but that's more like winning the lottery. You know, how often do you come around like, like, like a, a heavy hitter like that? It's a lot of us breeders go years breeding without even getting one of those, you know, right. much less a new breed that's coming into the game. So I try to explain to new breeders, that's the rule of thumb. Like, what do you want to do? So if I have a family member, which I have a lot of family members that are getting in the game, I expect, I explain that. Okay. Hey, Gabriel, you know, damn, you're doing good with the Frenchies. Let me get in. Okay, cool. I'll, what do you want to do? Do you, this, these are the, these are the markets you could hit and they all have different prices. You could buy, a really nice lilac and tan female with nice structure and sell to pet homes for three to five thousand dollars. And you know, if you don't want to get too serious, you know, you can have a few of those females and you know that that'll be your market. And then you have the other people like, no, you know what? I have a hundred K to drop. I want the best female out there. I want to start on the top. Okay, well, you're gonna have to pay for it. Now you're gonna get a a a, DN, a female that has a lot of DNA or is a fluffy or is more towards the top of the market and you have to pay for that because of a lot of, a lot of us breeders have bred years to get to that point. So if you want to skip the steps, then you got to go up and pay for it, you know? So rule of thumb, if you're a new breeder, analyze the market, analyze how much you're willing to spend and invest. And that's the very first thing. That's not even touching the care, the marketing, the you know the the the, the well-being the all that other stuff will usually fall into place which is pretty pretty uh pretty intense as well but 
before you even make any moves, that's what you have to consider first is what, what, what do you, what's your vision? What are you going to do? Who do you want to sell to? Who are you going to sell the puppies to? It, is the person selling you the dog going to help you? Is, are they willing to help on the puppy sales or on the stud services? There's so many questions to ask. And when make sure your, your breeder or that person is not just going to sell you a dog and, and walk away. Um, if they're, especially if you're buying more of the high-end dogs, I've groomed or mentored a lot of breeders. Um, and it's a testament. And you can see on my page, they always, they always tag me or hit me, uh, give me shout outs. I always try to help them because this is people's hard-earned money. And, and, and the worst thing you could do is just say, oh, here's a $50,000 dog. Here, peace. I'm out. Walk away. You know, any good breeder, any good seasoned breeder should help you. So for all the new people out there listening, um, make sure uh, that person is well-versed and has experience to help you through the, through the, through the process. Hell yeah. You know? That's that, that's, you know, you're, you're the first person that's broken it down like that. Um, you know, there's, there's three different levels of classes that you want to get into. My next question would be, which one's the most ruthless? <sighs> and what, and, okay. When you say that, what do you mean by like, Just, which way, you know, which ones, wh wh you know, Selling to family and pet only, you know, um, selling to other breeders, you know, um, and, the, and the other third category, you know, which one's more, which was the most cutthroat, which one's just, you know, just cutthroat, just ruthless. I would say stud services. Stud services? I would say stud services are super ruthless because you, you have so many breeders out there that will talk your dog down to other breeders just to get a stud service and sometimes it happens between friends and, and you could you could you know and not only this breed and every single breed like you know uh, uh that's why you see the memes of, of the guy holding the knife you know and yeah. breeders be like and the guys with the knife stabbing the guy in the back yeah because they're thirsty for a stud service you know and it's i get it man some people you you take a you take a chance you buy a fifty thousand dollar sixty thousand dollar dog and it's no guarantee. Like some people get mad, but there's no guarantee he's gonna be a stud. He could. He's. A, they're nice. All dogs are nice when they're puppies. When they grow up, we don't know what they'll look like. You know. So, you know, a lot of these guys stuck with these dogs. They can't. They can't stud them out. And now they're backstabbing their friend to get a couple grand of off a of stud service. You know. Right. I think that's the most ruthless one. Um, I don't think the other ones are that ruthless. More as they're tedious. Uh, with with breeders, and I just throw it out there real quick. With selling to breeders, puppies, puppies to breeders. I'm sorry. Um, you'll get a lot of. Can I see it standing? Can I see it walking? Can I see it pooping? Can I what everything? What did like? They'll ask you a million questions, um, and it's a little tedious. And then especially also if you got a newer breeder, you have to mentor them. It's just you have to. You know, you're not gonna sell. If you're at a dealership, you can't just hand somebody the keys and here's the car, you know. You have to show them the car, the horsepower. You got to break it all down because that's the type of market that the breeders um, ask for. You know, not, that's the type of market that uh, selling to breeders is. Uh, pet home is a lot easier. Um, the only thing you have to worry about pet homes, which and it's one of the I, – I love pet homes. It's still one of my bread and butters. Um, 
is you just have to have healthy dogs. If you do your health check and you keep the dog, their your dogs all health checked and and make sure you know they're you're breeding out all the, the, the defects and stuff like that. Pet home is amazing. Okay. But as soon as you get like a new person that's a first time pet owner and has a little diarrhea, you know you're up there all night fielding the calls and telling them it's okay. It just has an upset stomach. You know, those are the only downfalls you could get from the pet home, obviously, or the dog gets sick or whatever, or something arises. Uh, but that's just general, you know, general even for anybody. But pet home being the easiest, breeder second, and then the stud service is the most ruthless, bro, honestly. Hell yeah, bro. Okay, so real quick, man, we're, we're, we're at the end of our podcast here, or, 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 or you know, are there any last-minute, you know, advice or any shout-outs you'd like to give us as we conclude this episode? Um, no, I, you know, I just want to shout-out to all my Cali House family uh, and all my, um, all my SoCal Fluffy Frenchie family. Uh, you guys know all who you are. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say it's just me. I have a lot of help, a lot of people supporting me in the back. You have to have a good team. And I do have a good team. I have a good group of family and friends that support me. They all know who they are. Um, it's too many to name. Um, we all work together all the time. And, and I like to have that network and connection with certain people I get the good vibe from. And it's, it's part of their success, too, because they, they form part of the SoCal Fluffy Frenchie camp. So I just want to uh, give a shout-out to them. They're going to probably listen to the podcast. Uh, thank you. And... Um, to all the, like I said, to all the new breeders, just just make sure you 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 pick out a good breeder that that's a good mentor. You know, a good breeder won't only just gonna start breeding. You know, he'll mentor you. You know, he'll mentor you at least for the basics. So that's uh, pretty much it. And um, I hope I was helpful on this podcast for you, bro. Thank you, Gabriel. Gabriel, uh, just I know you're on the road right now, man, and I know you're you're super busy with your with your kennel and just with everything going on. Just thank you so much for taking the time. To come on this podcast i really appreciate it and hopefully this advice helps out a lot of people out there man i, I thank you so much no problem man i appreciate it. i'm glad it, i hope I, it sounds okay because i have you on the car play so <laughs> no, you're everything good. went well and much success to you man awesome you're doing this for the community i'm sure it's gonna help a lot of people bro thank you man i appreciate it all right gabriel have fun out there man be safe and uh and i'll let you know when this drops all right you got it caesar take it easy all right, yeah bye all right bye if you would like to follow Gabriel on Instagram, you can follow him on SoCal underscore Fluffy underscore Frenchies. Once again, that is S-O-C-A-L underscore F-L-U-F-F-Y underscore F-R-E-N-C-H-I-E-S. For more information and upcoming episodes, you can follow me at everything underscore Bulldogs underscore podcast on Instagram. Thank you. Have a nice day.